Hey y'all, it's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. We just celebrated Thanksgiving and gobbled up a lot of turkey and dressing. Hey Marty, did you and Tony gobble up any games? We sure did. We played Blood Bowl, New York Zoo, Pillars of the Earth, Journey is the Middle Earth, and we're featuring Beyond the Sun and Red Cathedral. Wow, all that and an Arkham Horror Stream. Welcome back to yet another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 216, Black Hole Sun. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and offend or upset a lot of 90s children, Tony. I was never into those bands in the 90s like Soundgarden. I wasn't either. We're 80s kids. At that point in time, I was starting to tune out of pop music and was starting to go more underground because I I was just not into Nirvana, Soundgarden, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They, you know, they had some decent stuff, but it was that, you know, okay, I don't know. I just didn't get into it. Or introduced you to it. For me, it was playing Guitar Hero. Oh, no, I heard it on the radio. See, I I never really listened to the radio. I I think back, I'm like, I guess I never got off the 80s station. Right. You know, I never moved to those other stations. So I never heard this music. I never knew what it was. That's why when people say, well, you should, I'm like, I got no clue. That's why in Jeopardy, I will never get the 90s music category. I'm done. And, and again, you know what? You, you're a product of the decade that you grew up, right? Because I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, it's like, can't stand 70s or 80s music, but it's nostalgia for people that went through that. And it's the same thing for 90s. Like my sister's 10 years younger than me, so obviously she has more of a nostalgia for the 90s music than I do. Maybe she'll teach you a few things. I just knew <laughs> that this song title fit perfectly with our show today. Oh, oh, 100%, especially one of the games we're going to be talking about, which I assume is Beyond the Sun from Rio Grande Games. Absolutely. That was right there. And then I was thinking, hmm, we just got through Thanksgiving and food comas, (laughs) black hole, just go unconscious, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm stretching here, but that's okay. But I've got to ask you something, Marty. Well, hold on. Before you move away from that, I just do want to say, if you haven't seen it yet, last week, Postmodern Jukebox released a version of Black Hole Sun, where it's just Scott Bradley playing the piano. Really? Yep. Wow. I mean, it's it's very nice. It's by like a four-minute version, but he does his Scott Bradley. It's not singing. So it's just him playing on the piano, but it's it's a really good rendition. So go check out. I'm a big postmodern jukebox fan, so check out Black Hole Sun from them. All right, okay. What you got to ask me? So I'm going to ask you something our buddies uh, Dan Patrice and uh, Chris Kirkman do on their show, The Geek All-Stars. We, they always go, well, what you drinking tonight? Yes. What are you drinking tonight, Marty? Oh, right now it's a Milo sweet tea because I didn't feel like making tea over Thanksgiving. So I took the easy way out and went to Walmart and got Milo's tea. And I must tell you, of all the store brand tea that you can get, Milo's is one of the best. I gave you today a very special rendition of Mountain Dew. Yes. Now that is sitting right beside here and I have it ready to go. You you sent me a picture and said, hey, have you ever had the Mountain Dew Merry Mashup? That's right. And I found this at our local uh, grocery store. I hadn't seen anywhere else called Food Line. And I'm looking and I'm like, cranberry, pomegranate, that's interesting. Mountain Dew. Hmm. Mountain Dew sweet enough. I can only imagine what this tastes like. <laughs> so it's funny. I was telling my family about this and my Vanessa said, you know, you've tried this. And I went, when? So we had it last year. So I, I don't remember what this tastes like. I mean, I, w- I will say this. Uh, so we're going to do a taste test, right? That's, that's why I'm bringing all this up because you and I have yeah. the cans unopened, 
ready to go. Um, so we're going to try this taste test and tell what uh, people think. But I will say, I've gotten off sugar drinks, so this is going to be very sweet to me. And this is going to send you through the loop. This is going to be like me doing the intro for the show. You're going to go <laughs> jackrabbit on me. <laughs> I say that as I am having some of the Milo sweet tea because I ran out of the unsweet tea, and now I don't want to waste it, so I'm drinking it to get rid of it before it goes bad. So yeah, I know this is going to be super sweet, but I do love cranberry, and I do love pomegranate. And see, she said that you had, I didn't see this last year. That's why I was like, holy cow, when did they start this? They said, yeah, they got it last year. It's a holiday limited edition. It's a really festive can. It's got uh, mm-hmm. red and it looks like it's got, uh, it looks like it's, it's like, like poinsettia, but it's not red leaves, it's green leaves. And see, you're seeing it there. I'm thinking that these are, uh, I can see the flowers now. I was thinking snowflake shards. I don't know. Oh, maybe it's pomegranate leaves. Maybe. Who knows? Open the can. Oh, all right, let's, here we go. Here we let's go. Let's not drag this in. All right. Ooh, it smells good. It does, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right. Uh, Interesting. Um, hold on. I got to take another sip. Um, That was my reaction. Um, well, so here's the thing. When it's in the mouth and drinking, I think it tastes really good. But once it goes down, there's like a some sort of little bit of aftertaste. I've been drinking Code Red, and I was like, okay, what am I here to? What am I going to get here? And I and this is not Code Red, obviously. I for sure taste the pomegranate, mm-hmm. and I think the aftertaste is the cranberry. See, I don't, I don't drink cranberry, so I don't have anything to compare that to. But it, it's it's different. I, I, I'm glad I got to try it. I'm glad that it's out there. It's only 170 calories. I don't know how many points that is for you. <laughs> Too many. I've already told Brett you can finish this off because I probably will not finish this off. I'll let Vanessa try a sip of it too. I mean, it's good. But again, I haven't had you know full sugar drinks in many, many, many years. So it's it's a little thick. Sugar drinks now, now taste thick to me. <laughs> and uh, if there was a diet version of this, I'd probably really like it. No, it's... um. If you're into cranberry or pomegranate and Mountain Dew, I think it's worth trying out. And my daughter looked up the caffeine and she was telling me that the caffeine in Mountain Dew is less than some other drinks. It's, it's a myth Yep. that, you know, Mountain Dew is so caffeinated and all this. It really isn't. Mm-mm. So I didn't know that. Of course, I, I sit here and keep drinking it. So <laughs> well, it's like a we'll drug. put it down. Yeah, we'll put it down, mm. get away from it, and just let it sit there for a while. Let you know, tell tell Vanessa to come grab it. But you told me something that has has got me really confused. Okay, all right, what's that? Unfortunately, I was not able to attend or uh, go to a game play, and you and Bert met up at a mall okay. down in South Carolina. So, <laughs> so full story uh, is that uh, the windshield on uh, my wife's vehicle cracked somehow. Is this the new vehicle? This is the new vehicle. It looks like it was a factory stress mm. crack, so it had to be replaced. And then the dealership had to uh, realign the cameras, recalibrate the cameras on the windshield. So I had to leave it there during lunch. And our friend Bert, who plays with us, you know, uh, weekly, works near there. I said, "Hey, do you want to meet and go to Showmars?" I love Showmars. You like Showmars, right? Oh yeah, I love Showmars. Uh, Showmars mm. is a local Southern Greek place here. So good. Had the best fish pita sandwiches. Anyway, um, so I met him there for lunch and it's in a mall. So we got our food and uh, he started teaching me a game called, oh my Lord, Ficas. I don't know. It's a, it's an old game from Rio Grande. It's because we recently played a game called Red Cathedral. 
uh-huh. which we're going to be talking about in this episode. And it has a rondelle mechanic. And this game also has a, a rondelle mechanic. So he's wanting to show it to me just for comparisons. So we're sitting there playing the game. And uh, we just finished eating. And I'm sitting there drinking tea and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, uh, this uh, senior Paul Blart mall cop uh, walks by us and said, Hey, uh, you got you to gotta be wearing your mask while you're inside the mall. And it was like, well, we're, we're just eating. You need to put on your mask. So I'm like, gosh. So he, he kind of slumbers away. And I was like, what was that all about? So we, we, we comply. You know, we're not okay. rebels or anything like that. I mean, again, we had just finished eating. We're sitting there drinking. And we know when we get together, we typically wear masks when we're not mm-hmm. eating or whatever. Same way we put the mask on. So about five minutes later, he walks back by us. By the way, uh, you do know that uh, we don't allow you to play board games in the mall. We have COVID restrictions here. You can't play board games in the mall. And I just stared at him. And at this point, I'm going, all right, how much do I want to push back and interact with this person who obviously feels like his responsibility of wearing that little cheap security badge on his chest gives him way more power than what he thinks he has? But I bit my tongue. I didn't say anything. I said, well, I was kind of smart. I said, well, we're finishing up. And I said, as soon as we finish up, you know, we'll leave. And he just kind of huffed and, and, and walked away. But I'm like, I told, I told Bert, I said, okay, I, I was getting ready to say, can you show me in the restrictions document that says I can't sit here and play a board game? Because I really want to see that in writing. Well, it could be out for an interpretation. And here I come with my devil's ad. Oh, now, Lord. Now, keep in mind, you got to be, the man was simply doing his job. And his restrictions may have been that people cannot mingle beyond normal consumption of food time. I don't know what he's got. And, and there are people out there who this is their job. And, and they are, they've, right now, they are stressed hard. You know, having to tell people these things. The only thing that he was missing was a little segue running around the place. That would have been funny if he'd have one of those. Well, that would have been rapid transmission of the um, COVID. So we finished up the game and there is a uh, used video game store and like magic store in the mall. Hmm. It makes me sick to my stomach to actually see how much some of these old video games are. Like when I saw, gosh, what was it? Uh, it was one of the Super Mario parties on the GameCube going for 90 bucks. Uh-huh. It's like, it's one of those I know I had, $90. Anyway, so they have game tables in the back. And I said, just out of curiosity, I said, we have a board game here. Can we come in here and play sometime? I said, please, play anytime you want to. And I said, okay, I was just curious. I didn't know if that was a mall restriction. And he said, wait, did you just get run out from the food court for more of the security guards? I went, yes. And he went, Yep. Happens all the time. We had a couple of guys in here the other day said we were closing up the store and they went out to finish up their game in the middle and they got ran out of the food court for playing magic. I said, okay, it wasn't just us then. They're very consistent with making sure that the, those rules are followed. So there you go. So maybe there is a rule that says people can't sit there. I don't know. It was just one of these, you know, two responsible adults just sitting there minding his own business. And I felt like he was talking to a 13 year old. It just kind of, it rubbed me wrong. Well, it's okay, old man. You can get over it. (laughs) When you were telling me this, it reminds me of the time when we were at a museum in Washington, DC and my daughter, Rebecca was on the floor and she was pushing a car, a little car while we waited on people to come out of the bathroom. And a security guard came up to her and said, sir, she can't be doing that. And we go, I'm sorry, what? He said, sir, she cannot be pushing that car on the floor. You cannot have fun in the museum. Oh, he was kidding. No. Oh, 
He was not kidding. You can, he, he said, uh, well, I ask, uh, can you ask her to please stop? Was this one of the Smithsonian's? Yeah, it was the Uvarhazi. So did you uh, tell him it's like, uh, hey, I paid for this, so she's going to push that car on the floor? No, I was not a rebel either. I basically <laughs> just let it go. I didn't see any reason for it. I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, fine. I mean, we're, we're just waiting on mom to get out of the bathroom. Oh man, I, I can't. You know, man, I am I am worn down after the holidays. It was uh, it was an exhausting one here. We had Vanessa's parents did come in along with her brother. They're, they it was a sm- way smaller family than what was going to come. A lot of people did not come. Just just them three. But Vanessa hadn't seen mm-hmm. her parents in over a year, and wow. uh, so they came up here and and we had, we had everything set up nicely in the basement. Your know, tables all six feet apart. People wore masks unless you were eating. So it was a uh, very well ran little family event there. But yeah, yeah, it was it was tiresome. Got in a lot of games over the three or four days because her brother's a gamer, Bob, um, uh, who's mm-hmm, been on the show mm-hmm. before. And so played a lot of Arkham. I was going to say, and you've been doing some twitching with the Arkham, haven't you? I did. We actually twitched. Uh, it's twitched. We streamed a game on uh, Twitch of Arkham Horror 3rd Edition the other day, a five-hour game. And uh, you, oh, you can go out to our Twitch channel and check it out if, you, if you're if you so bored and want to watch us play for five hours. It's broken up over to two segments, though. But exciting ending. Uh, spoiler, we did win, but we had to win in the final round. That game is so amazing how somehow it always comes down to you're either going to win or lose this round, and it happened again. By the chance, do you have the timestamp of that, of when that final round starts? Because that's when I'll tune in. Uh, I could, I could go and find it. Uh, it's probably, it's in the last 10 minutes. Um, it happens pretty quick, but we're mathing everything out and stuff. And it was like, it, I mean, it came down to dice rolls Were the dice going to be nice to us and they happened to be nice to us. But not only did, uh, we play Arkham Horror, I was excited to be able to play the new Blood Bowl game that just was released by Games Workshop. That's the second season edition. They sent us a copy to check out. Now, Tony, you have some experience with Blood Bowl, right? You've played a game. I have played a game. I played a game many, many, many years ago. I was uh, when I did that um, gamer con out in Colorado, and Sean taught me from Dukes of Dice. He taught me how to play Blood Bowl. And I remember you said it was an extremely long game, and it got really tiring after a while. And my first experience playing this game because it's the first time I've played. I've played the video game. Uh, some, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the first time sitting down. I was, and I self-taught. They did Games Workshop does have a nice series of videos that kind of teaches the basic rules of the new set. So I did go and watch it. So I was really going by the rule book. It did take us four hours to play. Mm-hmm. That was literally from putting the board down and reading through. I'd already read through the rules once, but reading through again how to set up the people and everything like that. And you know what? The game, the basic game itself is pretty straightforward. I mean, for those who don't know, it's basically a combination of football and rugby. Uh, You have two teams. You have a ball that you're trying to get into the end zone. You play over two halves. The person with the most touchdowns at the end wins. It's pretty straightforward. But it sets up and looks looks just like football. And on your turn, you're going to move each of your guys. The actions that they have are very simple, right? It's, I can move. During a movement, I can hand off. I can make a pass. I can block where I go and hit somebody. I can blitz at one time per turn, which is basically make a movement and hit somebody. And that's pretty much it. And so that sounds very simple, but you've been through this. You know that even though those are very simple actions, there's a lot of what-if statements built into those actions. Yes, 
<laughs> and you're like, oh my heavens, what if this, what, if you hit that, or if he's standing there, or what if I'm like, oh, oh my head, make it stop. And that's, that's the part that we kept having to flip to. It's like, okay, I want to, I want to move. And it's like, well, you're marked, meaning that you are adjacent to uh, one of your opponent's teammates. So if I'm marked, but to be able to move, I got to make a dodge. So that's an agility test. So what's my agility? Let me go look at my stat sheet. Let me roll that. Okay, I passed. What happens? Or I failed. What happens? You fall down. Did I happen to have the ball? Well, you did. So now the ball mm-hmm. is going to bounce. So how does it bounce? You put down this marker. You roll mm-hmm. a die. It bounces. Does it bounce into or somebody somebody else exists? Yes. They try to catch the ball. If they do, they have it. What happens if they don't? It bounces again, <laughs> you know, and it's just a whole stream of if then, if then, if then, if then. So that's the part that just took us forever to learn. And it's that way with everything. Hey, you want to pass? You got to pass the test. Was it an accurate pass? Did you throw over somebody else's head? If you did, the opponent can try to bat it down. Did they succeed? They did. This happens. Did it not? Okay, it goes to the receiver. Did the receiver catch the ball? Was he successful? You know, it's just like, and so we're constantly looking up the rules. But then once we got all that down, it's like we started getting into the flow. It's like we eventually just had to learn when you fall down, you make an, uh, an armor break roll to see if the armor breaks. Are you prone? Are you face down, injured? If you are, you make a critical roll. You look it up on a table. Are you knocked out of the game? You know, are mm-hmm. you stunned, et cetera? So all this is going on. With these four simple actions of move, pass, block, you know, et cetera. But then to add on top of that, every player has abilities. Oh, this mm-hmm. guy has fend. Wait a minute. What does fend mean? Oh, that means I can't do this. Oh, wait a minute. This guy has a dodge ability. What does that mean? That means he gets to re-roll a dodge. There's a player's reference guide, which I really appreciate. That has all the tables and all the steps of everything, but it like doesn't have what those things mean. So constantly during the game, we're looking up in the book. What did that mean again? What did that mean again? Now we'll say by the final quarter of the game, we kind of got it. Because I would go, okay, wait a minute, that guy has this ability, so I really don't want to go that way because he can block that. So it was starting to get into a groove. But Tony, just like every miniatures game that we played in the past, right? First game is a learning game. Heck, the fifth game will still be a learning game, but eventually Mm -hmm. it'll just become second nature to you to where I felt that if we played again, the game will take three hours. And if we played again, it may take two hours. And then if you're, and then from that point on, once you're good, it takes one to two hours. And that's why you pick a team and stick with the team. Yes. But then the thing is though, let's say, let's say just you and I played, you've got a team and like with any miniatures game, this is no different. I have to Mm -hmm. learn your team. It's like, wait a minute, what ability does that guy have? What ability is that guy? But that's a typical miniatures game. So it has the typical miniatures thing. you got to put the miniatures together. you really got to understand your team, what their team does. This has lookup tables, which is typical games workshop. But let's remove all that. And let's just look at the game of Blood Bowl itself. I had a blast. I mean, to be honest with you, if I had eight people that I could get in the league with and once or twice a month play in a regular season and then have a tournament... I think it'd be a lot of fun. I agree with you from that standpoint, just from the fact that you're doing the miniatures, you're painting something I enjoy. And it's a sport that you understand that they have taken and said, okay, we're going to apply this. And there's no, 
vibration and players falling down automatically because the board's vibrating too hard. I'm referencing electronic football. (laughs) (laughs) You know, oh, look, he didn't have any of those skills and he just fell down because he got near the motor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, a blood bowl, I think, once again, keep playing it over and over and over. The time really will compress. You just got to get past that initial slog. Yep. Yep. And and there's some things that we didn't even do. Again, this is the first impressions, right? So we didn't do weather. At the beginning of the game, you do a weather oh, roll. Yeah. How does it affect? You do fans. How are your fans reacting? You know, you have mm-hmm. all that stuff going on. But I, the beauty of the game that I saw was when I got injured, it would say, okay, by the way, he's going to miss the next game. Or by the way, he has this injury that you know will affect him in future games. So there's this campaign. It's almost like, so a league is like a campaign, right? Where these mm-hmm. guys are basically getting hurt and stuff. You draft a team. You have so much money you spend. You have your active roster. You have reserves. So when a guy gets hurt, you could bring a guy in off the reserves. So you play like a team manager. All that sounds super cool to me. And one thing that Bob really liked is he said, one thing I like about this is I can see everything on the board. You don't measure with the tape measure. It's moved by grids. So it's Mm -hmm. just like this guy can move six, which means he can just move six squares. So he says, he said for him, I could visibly see, okay, I can easily make it from here to here if I want to run, or I can make it to you because I know how, what my movement is, et cetera. He said, I could, could see the board better of everything needs to go on as opposed to like playing Warhammer 40K on a big four by four table where you have thousands of points of armies that can go anywhere. It was just easier to visualize. And that part I appreciate too. So when you're actually moving and everything like that, you're not pulling out tape measures and everything. But even the best strategies are laid to waste because, boy, I found out some bad dice rolls can just totally mess you up. Prime example, I am on the one-yard line. I have one of my little guys, little goblins, on the one-yard line with the ball ready to score. One thing you could do at the end of your turn is a thing called rush. Basically, you roll a die, and as if it's not a one, you get to move one additional space. It's like, pfft. Come on, one in six chance, I'm going to score a touchdown. Roll it. I rolled a one. He falls over flat on his face and the ball goes bouncing out of bounds. (laughs) It's a very luck-based game. Somebody warned me, said, no, Marty, just get ready for this. The dice are going to bounce against you and they're going to go with you. And that's just the nature of the game. So even though it took us a long time to play, the entire time I was playing it, I really enjoyed it. And again, if I could do a league... I do it. I, I the the brilliance of the game is over a long term span and not an individual game. Just the way it's built. The one thing that I remember from the game that I didn't appreciate was the fact that when you do all of your team at once, right? Yep. I cannot react, and that is the one thing that bothered me because I could not get past the fact I see your guy moving in football, the American version or soccer, you can also, or rugby, your guys can move. Yep. It's, they're reacting, but here, and I, that kind of just, I don't know, something about that Mm -hmm. drove me in saying that, okay, you're doing all this and you're crushing my guys, you're knocking them down, you're injuring them and I can't do anything about it. There is no reaction. That was one of the things, and maybe that's changed. I don't know. 
No, it's still the same way. So your entire team moves. It's like move, 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 move. Your team goes. I do get that. It would be interesting to see how it plays uh, with uh, alternate player activations. Like in Warcry, you go, I go, you go, I go, you go. Mm -hmm. Then you could react to that. But the way it stands now, it is one whole team activates, then the other team activates. And if any point during that time, you make a bad roll and you fall down or you trip or something, turnover and your turn is done. So you have to be careful and make sure that your high risk moves are last in the turn so you can do everything else beforehand. So there is some planning and strategy behind that point. Well, I'm glad you got to play it. I'm glad you got it on the table and you were able to experience it. I agree with you. I think it'd be fun, especially as much as we loved fantasy football. That's the whole cool thing of like spending money and building a team. And in between the games, it's like, well, crap, my star player's out. I need to go recruit and spend money and I'll get this other star player in because you pay money to bring in other people. And can't they die? Yeah, they can be knocked out for the season, basically done. So that sounds great that you were able to get that on the table. You had fun with it. But uh, for me, uh, my daughter was in town and, I, and her, her boyfriend came along. And the last time he was here, he went into the game closet and I said, just pick a game and I'll teach you if it's one that Donna and Rebecca will like. <laughs> and because um, there's caveats. That, well, there's always a caveat. And he said, I want to play that. Uh -oh. And he pointed to Journeys in Middle Earth. Oh, my gosh. Well, when he was here the first time, I said, I tell you what, if you come back, I will teach you that. So I had to watch the game night with Board Game Geek and Rodney Smith from Watch It Played and watch them go through it so that I could relearn it. And I'd forgotten. It's a simple game. The app mm -hmm. is amazing. The app mm -hmm. is amazing. And so we're getting into it and I'm explaining the game to him and I'm telling him about the checks and all, but oh my God, it took forever and we didn't win. Did you do the first scenario? First scenario. And we didn't make it. We didn't discover what we needed to discover. And they were like, well, what does this mean? And I go, it means we lost. But if we were to play again, we'd play the next adventure and we would have a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And it took us three and a half hours. According to the box, it should not take this long. But it did. And, I, and it was just taking their turns. And there's not much to do. I had forgotten. You just do two things. And they are? Well, you can, you can either move. Mm -hmm. You can either interact. Or you can attack. That's it. And I think I miss, mixed up something that when you explore, you automatically get that token. I was thinking you had to interact with the explore tile. Mm -hmm. So halfway through it, I said, wait a minute, have we been doing this wrong? Or did I tell y'all wrong? And they said, I think you have. So I think that's why we lost. Cause I was having the interaction with the explore. So you had to explore that new tile and then interact with it. And that's wrong. It's you're automatic. All right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, are we ever going to get through this? I, this is one of those games where I was playing. And I was like, please let this end. Were they having fun? They enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. It was just slogging along. And I'm like, this game should not be taking this. Because I knew the very next thing was the big bad fight. Yep. And we, and we never got there, which was fine. So we'll do it again. Also, I think we didn't have a good character set up to help us along. Mm. And it's one of those things that you just got to do. I, I, I enjoy, love the game. I just hate when that happens. You know, it, it, it tarnishes it. Right. I mean, after it was over, what did he regret saying he'd play it? No, they wanted to play again. Even Rebecca said oh, she good. wanted to play again. I know. And I'm sitting there going, we'll see. 
Mm. You're here for a couple more nights. We'll see what comes on the table next. And I did get wingspan on the table and taught them that. And Rebecca decimated me with her birds. That was ridiculous. And then um, got an oldie, but a goodie on the table. What's that? Pillars of the earth, baby. Oh. Pillars of the earth. Still love that game. Taught them that. And this, this is all, I love this. We're in the sixth round and Donna does something. And then, you know, you pull the tokens out of the bag from Pillars of the Earth and you have to pay to place them. Mm-hmm. Well, she had spent her money on a profession. And then, so when it came time to play, she didn't have the money. And she looks at me and goes, why didn't you remind me? And I'm like, you've been doing this for five rounds. Why do I need to remind you about this? She goes, you just needed to. <laughs> I was like, oh my heavens. I think back and reflect on that game. And I'm like, there is really... Nothing to it, but it has the mechanics that I enjoy of the placing of the workers and that strategy. But then I started thinking about it after all that we've played. I'm sitting there thinking, there is really a programmatic way of playing this game. Programmatic? That word too. Just trying to save us $5 there. We'll talk about that in the after. <laughs> <laughs> programmatic way of of playing that game where you want to go get certain people and based on how they come up, get certain resources. I started looking and I go, so why is this one of my favorites? And I think it is always the fact that nobody is ever a runaway leader. Yeah. There's always that chance at the end to win. We all enjoyed that. They definitely enjoyed wingspan. So that game, that card game um, will always come out when they're here. Oh, I taught them the crew. Oh, how'd they like that? I love the crew. I need to get past mission 18. That's good though, man. That's man, that is so good. It is, especially if you have people that play cards. Yes. Yeah. But when you get people who don't play cards and they, they don't know about voiding and things like that and Trump, it, it's kind of one of those things you got to teach them as you're playing. And that's where that game does great. Yep. It, it slowly brings you along. Yep. What else did you get on the table? When the family was here, I said, all right, I need to teach you all a party game. And uh, there's a game that came out. Uh, it's actually came out in 2014, but Asmodee. I recently picked it up. It's called Get a Hint. Mm. And this, you, you split up into two teams. Uh, somebody's going to be giving clues, and they're going to be either be doing it by miming, drawing, or humming. And the card that you pick up will say which one you have to do, mime, hum, or draw, and then the category of the card, like European capitals or movie villains. So you draw the card and let's say uh, you're miming. Then you start miming out words on the card. And for every one that your team gets within 90 seconds, you get a point. But there is a word on there that they can't say, a really obvious one maybe. And if they do say it, it's worth minus two. When your turn is over, the other team has a chance to also name one of the words on the cards. And if they happen to name the one that was forbidden, they get two points. So very basic game. But there was something that was just irritating snot out of me. Like one of them was like pizza fillings. If I'm on a team and I see the clues pizza fillings, do I just start throwing out as many pizza fillings as I can? And even if I call out the one that's minus two, if I get the other six, I'm still up four points. I mean, why even draw anything? Mm-hmm. You know, pizza fillings, and somebody starts drawing a, a sausage, pepperoni, bacon, olives, you know, I just start naming off all of them. And they go, wait, that was on there. That was on there. And I couldn't find in the rules that that was legal. Can you just randomly shout out guesses? Or do I have to try to guess what you're trying to hum, draw, or mime? 
So the gamer in me was really frustrated because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. <laughs> and my family enjoyed it because it's something they could understand. Hey, I know Pictionary. Hey, I know Charades. Hey, I know Name That Tune. I can do this. But I was just like, I don't know. Can I just start? Can I just start throwing out names? Should I not? Is it legal? I mean, what can I do? I mean, I, and I'm just sitting there going, if I can just start guessing, I'll take the minus two every time if I can get the other five. It was okay. It's not a party game that I would pull out again. I, honestly, it's one of those, if it, was, if it was sitting on a shelf besides Clue and Monopoly and stuff like that, people would probably really get into it. But the gamer in me was having some, some rules issues. And pizza fillings and not toppings? Pizza toppings. Yeah. I said the wrong thing. Oh, that's okay. I'm just, well, you know, I didn't know. Maybe that's what y'all call them to fill up your yeah. pizza. Now, if it's something like um, like movie villains, well, that's too broad. It's hard to just call out a movie villain. There's just too many of them. So in that case, it's different. But there would just happen to be a couple categories. Uh, like, for example, songs with dogs in them. Well, so then you just start trying to name as many as you can. And I knew, I knew what the minus two was going to be. Buy me a dog by, by the monkeys? No. Who let the dogs out? I knew that was going to be the minus two. So now I just started calling the other dog. You know, the other dog. Yeah, that one's on there. You know, how much is the dog in your window? Yeah, that, that's on there. You know, it's just, I kept going. Uh, I don't know. It was it was fine for a little party game. They enjoyed it. But what I was so upset about, why didn't I bring out Strike? I had Strike sitting over there. Perfect game to play with the family. And, I, and then Vanessa got upset. She said, well, that would have been perfect. Why didn't you bring that out? So... I messed up on that one. My go-to party game will always be just one with my family. Vanessa is not crazy about that one. I love it. Why does she not? Why is she not crazy? I, do, I don't know. I, I love that game. But she did play a game that uh, we enjoyed. Uh, Capstone Games sent us a New York Zoo. This is by Uwe Rosenberg. Mm. What kind of games has he been releasing a lot of recently? Oh, I'm going to guess Tetrisy type games? Yeah. The, Shape it, games? Polyominoes or whatever they're called. Yeah, it just happens to be that. Uh, every player gets a card with a construction zone on there. And in the middle of the table is a board with spaces on them and a little uh, elephant. I think it's an elephant meeple that you move around a circle. And if you land on a space that has a stack of polyominoes, you take the top one and you put it on your board. There's a space that gives you uh, two animals, you know, like a kangaroo or a penguin or something like that. And you take those two and you put them on the board. Each of those polyominoes is basically a little cage or a little place to show off the animals. And you each one can only hold one type of animal. You have a couple little spaces on your board for houses that are like temporary housing. So if you don't have a place to put them, you can put them there. But the rule is every time you put down a polyomino, you must put an animal in it. It can come from another area if you want to, so you can split up the areas, but you must always put an animal in there. As you get animals, you're trying to fill up those little polyominoes. And once they're full, you remove the animals off that space and you go grab an amusement token, which is a bigger piece of cardboard that you cover another spot on the cardboard. All right. So you're constantly going around getting new polyominoes, getting new animals to put in those spaces. And then there's also a breeding. If you pass a breeding area, if you have at least two animals in an enclosure, they mate and create oh. another one. I know. And it, it doesn't matter if you have four, you don't get two. You're just going to get one extra. So you can mate in two of your enclosures, get extra animals. That's another way to fill up the enclosures. And again, the goal is to fill the enclosure so you can grab an entertainment 
what they call it, an amusement. Oh, what is it called? Any, oh my gosh, I don't want to pay $5. That's why I got to look it up now. A few moments later. An attraction. That's it. An attraction tile. Amusement, entertainment, attraction. It's attraction tile that you put on there. And you keep going until one person fills their space. And guess how you win the game, Tony? By mating the most animals. No. By harvesting enough hides. No. By covering up the most spaces in your zoo. So here's the thing. (laughs) When I first saw this game, I automatically assumed what the winning condition was going to be. It's whoever's covered the most spaces. And then at the end, you know, whoever had the most uh, covered is probably going to win the game. That is not it. And that's why I really love this game. This is strictly a race. The first person to cover every space on the board wins the game. That's it. I love it. There's no points. There's no calculating anything. You can easily see what's going on. There's no hidden information. You're moving the elephant around the track. You can see what polyomino is coming up. You always got to take the one on the top. It's like, ooh, if I can get that one, that'll fit perfectly right here. What's really cool is, is when you preset the board, the largest polyominoes, the one with like seven spaces are on top of the stack. And the ones on the bottom of the stack are only four or five. Mm-hmm. And you actually want those because you can fill those up with animals fast because once you fill an enclosure, you clear it, but you can start filling it up again. And as soon as it's filled, you grab another attraction tile and the attraction tiles are big, but they go down to little single tiles. So then you're just filling in gaps around the, the board. And so you're constantly trying to get animals to fill enclosures to grab more of those little single tiles, to fill up the board. And then it's just a, a quick race. I loved it. Does it play up to four? So we played with three. And it plays up to five. Up to five. Ooh, okay. And there's also solo rules. And it plays in like 30 to 60 minutes. But I swear, it's amazing. You and I have played some. It's a joke. It's a running joke with us. How do you win? You win with victory points. It was so refreshing to play a Euro-style game that had nothing to do with that. It's strictly who in the world could build their animal park as fast and efficiently as possible. Now, there's not a lot of take that. Uh, maybe, you know, it's like, oh, I really want that piece right there. Maybe somebody will get there before you do. Oh, by the way, the breeding spaces, you cross over those, but everybody breeds. That's really cool too. So that's one of those things that lots of times you get to do stuff when it's not even your turn. Somebody crosses a breeding space, you all get to breed at the same time. I liked it. I, I, I really liked it. And it was strictly because it's, it's just a racing game. We are a G show and so many jokes ran through my head when you said that about breeding space. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna let it go. <laughs> it's the pow chicka wow wow space. In fact, when we went over it, it went pow chicka wow wow, and then it's like, oh my gosh, a couple animals popped out. <laughs> oh, but no, and it's easy to learn. I mean, literally, you got you got a couple actions right. You take us. Spot, put it on your board, put an animal on there. Or when you land on animal space, you grab those two animals and put them somewhere on your board. Really that straightforward. The only rule that you have to remember is an enclosure can only have one type of animal. I mean, that's really about it. Well, how do they breathe? There's only one type of, oh, one type of animal. One type of animal. Yeah. So an enclosure can only have like penguins in it. And this one can only have kangaroos, et cetera. Well, well, zoos mix animals all the time. It's cute little animal tokens. So it's, it really looks good on the table. Very easy to set up. Again, I wasn't sure how what you think about it because I know you, that Tetris games you aren't really into, 
But you may like this one. I may have to hand this one off to you and Donna may really like this. Why, why don't you hand it off? Because we'll be going to the beach and she always loves her Tetris games. Oh, then she, yeah. Well, if this is a race, then she just may skunk you then if she's really good at them. I'm used to that. Okay. I, I'm good with that. And maybe this way I don't have to take Carcassonne and where she skunks me even more. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So those were the main games we got to play. Now, Bob and I did play, uh, I was like so excited. We got to play Arkham Horror, the card game, played Murder Excelsior Hotel, uh, which was really cool, which was like a, a single shot scenario, but it's like Clue. A murder's happened in the hotel and you're trying to find the murder weapons and, and you're trying to do all these clues. So it was not the typical Arkham Horror type game. It's not like Cthulhu pops out or anything like that. It was really different. So uh, we we lost, but it's one of those things there's a bunch of different branching paths in that scenario. So I can't wait to try that again. But that uh, that covers all the games that we did get in over Thanksgiving. It was a, it was a blast. How do you wrap up the holidays or the Thanksgiving holidays, Marty? It's pretty much... Black Friday for me and Cyber Monday. Yes. That's it. You know, that, that that marks the end of the holiday. Wait a minute. Did you actually go out for Black Friday? There was no reason to. No, there's not. I mean, it's really it's really that point, isn't it? Especially this year, everybody's been like, please don't come to our stores. Look, here's our Black Friday deals a week beforehand and get it all online. I think all the retailers mm-hmm. are really cool about that. Yeah, I agree. However, I did. It was on Sunday. I was heading over to my mom's to hang her Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. And she wanted me to make sure that I had some strings so that I can, when I hang them, they don't get tangled up. That's another story, and we don't have really time for that on the on the podcast. So I walked into Walmart uh-huh. to, to get some string because I didn't have any. And while as I was heading back to the hardware aisle, something caught my eye. There was this end cap full of little boxes with the big um, Parker Brothers Monopoly guy. Okay, yeah. I, he has a name. I'm not going to try it. I'm, I'm not paying out. Go ahead. But he was there, and there was these all these little boxes. looked like little milk carton boxes. Uh-huh. And I have been searching online for this to try to send you a link so you could look at But what I got a quick, quick glance of was the fact that inside were new Monopoly pieces. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tokens. Whoa. Can you see what the pieces are? Like I said, I ran by it. It was just a big display, so I got to go back. I got to go to a Walmart for probably grocery shopping, and I'm going to see if my local one has it. But I was like, what is this? But I don't think you can see. I think it's a mystery box. It's a blind buy. Yeah, and you may get a gold-plated iron or maybe something else. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't spend enough time on there because I was already flustered and going through my mind, as you and I discussed earlier, it was the fact that some guy walked out with a PlayStation 5 and he says, hey, dude, they're in the back. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you were that close to... Millions of people across the world wish they were in your shoes right now that could have just walked up and grabbed a PlayStation 5. Did you see the people camping out for days in front of GameStop and they took their beds? Yeah. Yep. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't need that. And I just kept on going. But I was <laughs> flustered because I was sitting there thinking, if I was Marty, I'd go buy that and then try to flip it. <laughs> <laughs> that did enter my mind. I swear to you, man. <laughs> I was like, if I were to call Marty right now, he would tell me, go buy it. Don't think. Just do it. <laughs> oh, look, Monopoly token boxes. Wonder what that is. Oh, that's going to be a cute show topic. And just kept going. Oh, all right. So back to Monopoly. So what's the idea? Could you just go buy these tokens? Just buy themselves? Yeah, buy these little boxes. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm in. 
I'm going to have to go find these now. I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go buy some. I don't know what they are, but you have me intrigued. I, I, and that's why I was hoping to find your link. And I hope it is a blind buy. And I, if, if any of our listeners uh, get a chance to see them, then by all means, let us know, send us comments. Uh, this is not an opportunity to correct me because I really don't know. I just saw this huge display and it said, get Monopoly tokens. And I couldn't tell what it just oh, looked my like a gosh. bunch of milk cartons. Oh no, that's not good. All of a sudden, Why? the all of a sudden the uh, you know completionist in me you go. How many tokens are there? How many will I have to buy to get all the tokens? That I did look up, and I think I saw where the number was around fifty six. Oh, good gosh! Never mind. And what are they? Two or three bucks a piece? I bet. Probably. Like I said, yeah. Especially I, if they're I, metal. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about it. the only reason why this caught my eye, and I was like, that's kind of cool. I was like replacing tokens, generic wood tokens in games where it doesn't really matter what it is, you know, where, where you can say, okay, this is your player marker. Or if, if it's not a blind buy, didn't, I think Monopoly at one time, and once again, not, not a fact check here, but I, wasn't there like a rocket or something like that at one time? There may have been, I don't, I don't know. know. I do know this though. Monopoly man is rich uncle Pennybags. Well, there you go. Amazing what Google can do for you. I knew it was penny something or money something. Like I thought it was money bags, but it's penny bags. So. All right, that's it. I have a quest. I'm gonna hey, Vanessa. We gotta have to go to Walmart. I, I, this this is bad. This is I, I get I get sucked up into stuff like this, man. I wish you hadn't told me. This. It's like my boys get sucked up into the little Lego bags. Have you ever seen those where you have the mm-hmm. Legos? What am I going to Walmart for? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Vanessa just walked in. All right, get this, Vanessa. I'll go stay in line. Come here. So so there is, there's this thing called Monopoly, uh, you know the Monopoly tokens? Yes. Tony said that he found at Walmart, they have boxes of blind, of tokens, but you don't know what they are. And you go, there's like 50 something different tokens. I'm ready. Are you want to go do it? We'll go stand in line right now. <laughs> She's ready to go stand in line right now, Tony. We'll, we'll go get a peppermint hot chocolate. And go get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and tell, and I know she can't hear me right now, but my sister yelled at me. Your sister yelled at you. Why? Because she saw where we released the interview with Kim Joy. Oh, I didn't tell you about this, Vanessa. Okay. So Tony's sister is a huge fan of Kim Joy. Uh-huh. And she's upset that he didn't tell her that Kim Joy was going to be on the show. I bet she is very upset. Yeah. She made me watch that season finale during Thanksgiving. So uh, I'm really, everybody's like, what are you doing? Yeah. So Vanessa can't hear what yeah. Tony is saying. <laughs> so uh, uh, his sister made him watch the finale with Kim Joy. Yeah. That season. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I now know who she is. Tell him to tell his sister that she is just as wonderful meeting her as she is on the show. She is. Yep. She was. We'll see her at a, at a con. But go ahead and get some clothes on because we're going to Walmart later and see what we can find with some Monopoly. I can go. I can uh, go in my pajama. Pants. Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, pajama <laughs> pants is perfect Walmart attire. <laughs> <laughs> And she did say y'all did an amazing job. And she was like, I cannot believe you did not do this. And I told her, I said, listen, there'll be other opportunities, maybe not with Kim Joy, but I'm sure we'll score. Maybe maybe in January or February when we do this, maybe we can have a sugar high score on. Well, now here's the deal. When Kim Joy releases her game, Skybound Games, she said she'd come back on the show. We'll have her on talk again. And I will definitely be on that. Now that I've seen the show, I know who she is. 
And I was like, why did she lose? Oh, that's why she lost. Okay, I understand. Yeah, the guy that did win, was he was super nice. And we were pulling for him and Kim Joy. In fact, the season finale of the latest uh, Great British Baking Show just happened last week. And it was it's always so bittersweet when it's, good, when it's over because we really enjoy that show. Yep, but it just finished up, so can't wait till another season happens a year from now. you head over to thebrokentoken.com, you can get all kinds of inserts. But they just came out with one that makes Marty smile. That's right. The Terra Mystica Broken Token insert has just hit the banner flying across the banner. There it goes. Pro Terra Mystica. Terra Mystica. Marty, are you excited Tony. for the Terra Mystica? Tony. Tony. Uh-huh. It's terraforming Mars. I thought it was Terra Mystica. It's, it's terraforming Mars. Okay, let's redo it. <laughs> if you head over to the broken token you can get one of their newest best products they've probably come out with in a while okay that may be newest best products yeah yeah you want to try that again Just head over to the Broken Token for some of their... I'm tired of trying to go to do this commercial, but they do have the new Terraforming Mars big product crate that they've done. They've done other ones, Marty. Didn't they do like an Arkham Horror one? And yes. um, I have, I have, of course... Mansions uh, of Ma- well, I got Mansions of Madness is the one I have, mm-hmm. but this is the Terra... For, now you got me saying it. Terraforming <laughs> Mars crate that holds all the expansions, the base game, and this nice, big, gorgeous crate now. Yeah, and I have the big pandemic crate, and then oh, I just got um, Journeys in Middle Earth that I haven't put together. I'm very excited to try that. And these things got heft to them, get you plenty of wood glue, but that, they've done these laser cutouts for the Terraforming Mars one. And Terraforming Mars is still an incredibly popular game. This insert will definitely help you get that game set up a lot quicker. So go check it out at thebrokentoken.com. Tony, a few episodes ago, I teased. I said, dude, I got to play this game called Red Cathedral. This is from DeVere Games by designers Sheila Santos and Israel Sindrero. And I said, I cannot wait for you to try this because I know that you like Euro games with dice. And that's exactly what this is. I like Euro games with dice. And I also like Rondell games, which is what this is. We sat down. We played this game. This play game plays in probably like 60 minutes. It's like, you know, there's a solo mode. It plays up to four players. We played with three. I love the simple concept of this game is literally just help build a cathedral. And whoever contributes the most to building that cathedral is going to score the most points and win. It's really that straightforward. Yes, it was a quick learn, easy, but this is the one thing that threw me off was Uh calculation of victory points at the end of the game. Well, Well, we'll get there at the end of the game. Well, I'm just saying, like I said, you've got all this going on, and my introductory part is enjoyed the game. I would have enjoyed it even more if I had won and I understood the victory point calculation at the end. You got to work on that. You got to get that straight in my head. That's fair because one thing I was going to say I really liked about this, it's not a point salad game. There's not like a thousand ways to score points. 
There's really just a few ways here and there to do it. The main way that you're going to score your points, though, is by this point you're going to get for building that cathedral at the end. And, and what's cool is, is the cathedral is made up of these little cards. There's a base, and then there's some middle sections, and then there's a top to each of the towers. There's multiple towers. And depending on the number of players, is how many towers that you're going to have. And every time you play the game, you're going to have different sized towers on, on the board. So it's always going to be a little bit different. The game consists of on your turn, you've only got one of three actions. You can claim a cathedral section that you want to build. You're going to take one of your workers, put it on there. And there's a little token on there that if you pay the resource cost of that token, it becomes a workshop that gives you like an active or a passive ability. That's really cool. And you actually want some workshops to talk about those in a second. Or you can actually build sections of the cathedral because when you claim a section, you flip the card over. And then it says, okay, here's the stuff that you need to build this section. And when you build sections of the cathedral, over the course of the game, you're going to collect resources and you can put those resources on here. It says, well, let's see, this one takes a stone. This one over here takes a brick. And this one over here takes, oh, that, that, that one takes another stone. And you're trying to get it to where eventually you have the right number of resources on that section that you've claimed to be able to actually build it. And when you do that, boom, it's yours that you'll be able to uh, claim at the end towards victory points. But the way you get the resources is just one of my favorite mechanics. You have a, a circle with dice lining around the circle, and it's broken up in different sections, uh, like section little pie sections, right? So there's eight sections. You're going to roll dice at the beginning of the game and allocate the dice around uh, that rondelle. And on your turn, you can pick up one of those dice and move it around the circle clockwise, the number of pips on that dice. Wherever you land, it's going to give you something. It may give you money. It may give you gold. It may give you stone. But if there's another die there, the number you get is multiplied by the number of dice there. So if I move to an empty space and I get, it may say you get two stone. Well, great. But if there's another dice die there and I move my die there, then there's two dice times two stone. I get four stone. So you try to get it to where you can move to where there's another die located so that you can collect more resources. So that's how you get the resources to claim the cathedral, to build it, to get victory points. And I know that's a lot of words, but literally that's all there is to this game. And when you talk about the resources, I think it's very important that we point out that on the bottom of your player board, by the way, the components are very nice. Mm -hmm. Oh, the player board is super nice. And the dice are nice and clunky, which I love about dice. I love the big dice and not these mini dice that you can find in some games. You have a set number of resources that you can carry forward. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is you're sitting there how... I can't move there and waste those resources. That's not advantageous. And you're also seeing the thing here, as I'm moving these dice, am I setting Marty up for a better move later? Mm -hmm. How can I do that? And you also didn't mention is that after I place that dice, I can collect what I got, but there is also an action I can take in that quadrant. Yeah, there's a guild. At the beginning of the game, these guild uh, cards go out around the uh, the rondelle. It's going to be different every every time. And you, there's two parts to the guild, say a top and a bottom. Sometimes it's, it's just instantaneous, do as much as you want. Sometimes it's a one-time thing. It just gives you quick bonuses. And that comes into play too, because it's like, ooh, not only can I get this resources, I can activate that card right there that maybe generates some recognition. And this is kind of cool too. On the victory point track, there's actually two values that you're tracking. Prestige, which is 
basically your victory points is a, a larger denomination. There's like, like every five or 10 recognition points is one prestige. And as you go around the track, the prestige values get closer together as you go around the uh, recognition track. So by the end, it's like every two recognition points is worth one prestige point. But anyway, uh, so there's these two resources you're tracking actually around the, the victory point track. And some of those guild things will actually increase that for you. And uh, again, the goal is to get the most prestige points in the end, but I also like that thing too, where you're tracking two different resources on the track. Also, you would end up being punished if somebody completed a section of the tower and you had not finished yours yet. <laughs> yeah. So you had to complete it in order, right? So the bottom had, the base had to be done, then the middle, then the top. Well, if you finished the top section before everybody else built the stuff underneath, they were penalized for not building their stuff in time for you. As all good project managers and contractors should be. Mm -hmm. Let's face facts. If you are building something, it would help if the foundation was sturdy before someone put the top on it. Like you said, Tony, you, you got a limited inventory. Your warehouse is only a certain size of being able to hold items. There's also jewels that you get too. Now, these are important because even after a section is built, each of you has some decorations you can put on the board. You got a couple doors, a couple windows, and the top that you can put on the, the top of the spire or the column. And during your turn, you can pay to put one of those decorations out. And if you put them out with a jewel or two different color jewels, it earns you additional prestige points. So you actually want to try to build with two different color jewel because it gives you the most different prestige points. But what's cool is those can go anywhere, even if you're not the one that built that section of the tower. And again, at the end, it's all important because that's another piece of the tower that you help build. And whoever builds the most of each tower will earn victory points. So it's kind of like a majority or area control. Which completely flew over my head when it we did. were playing. That's the part that got you, right? Because at the very end of the game, each tower you're going to count up. How many pieces did I help build or contribute to? Tony, how many did you? Whoever did the most earns a certain number of victory points. And the second place gets another number of victory points. And that adds up to a lot over the course of scoring. But it's a key part of the strategy of this game. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like you can suddenly pay all these resources at once. I don't know if you mentioned this, Marty. I didn't catch it. But you're limited on how much you can contribute on a turn. Three. When you uh, go and build sections of the cathedral, you can only de deliver three resources or three materials to the building. That's right. So if there's a section that requires three resources, that's why Marty was saying that, you know, hey, I'm going to deliver three. I'm going to put one here, one here, and one there. And then I'm getting ready to finish this one off so I can give three more resources and get those extra points with the jewels. But then suddenly I flip over the top. Well, this gives Marty the advantage of, oh, look, I can now put the cross because I have those resources on top of this church. And if you're not careful, that gives him a point towards his majority. So you've got to <laughs> strategically figure out, does he have those resources? Is now a good time for me to finish? But if I move these stupid dice, then I'm going to get extra resources I can't use. What is my best move? Great brain burner game. Mm -hmm. Love that. I love the simplicity of it. I love how it was forcing all the strategy. It doesn't look like you need a lot of strategy, but then you're like, oh, crap. I am going to give him something, and I don't want that to happen. I don't want to move those dice either. Yeah, and to me, the that's the only thing. I felt a few times in this game, I didn't have anything I could do. Sometimes I just didn't have the resources to build something. 
I had no other stuff. You got, got to limit the number of sections you can claim. And then just sometimes the dice were laid out. It's like, I don't need any of these resources. There's, there's no need for me to get any of these. And sometimes I feel like it was a wasted turn. It's felt like, well, I got nothing to build. I got nothing to claim. I guess I'll move this dice, but that resource is going to give me, I really don't need because I already got so much of it. Yeah, but that's one of those things where you're sitting there thinking strategically, I may waste this turn, but it sets me up two or three moves down the game. I did say earlier, there's not really ways you can mess with other people, but I guess you really can, like what you just said. You could move a die on somebody and just like, mm-hmm. please don't move that die. Dang it, I needed that die. And after you move a die, you take all the dice in that area where you moved and roll all of them. So now they're new numbers. So now what you thought would apply before is not going to apply if they're moved because they get re-rolled. Which can lengthen the game. Mm. Because now I had I was going to move that dice. You're not going to... Oh, wait, you just moved a dice into that quadrant where I was going to move the other die? Well, that stunk because I really wanted that color die and I really wanted it to move only two spaces because it would activate my workshop that gives me another benefit. And now you've gone and rolled it, and now it's going to move to a resource I really don't need. Now, one thing I did mention very early on is these workshops. When you claim a section, if you can pay the cost, you get these little workshops that you put on the board. Now, on your player board, uh, you have a little place where you can put a workshop for each of the color die. There's a green, a blue, a white, a red. What happens is if you have a workshop on the die that you move on your turn, let's say I have a workshop for the green die that says, hey, anytime I activate the green, I get a stone. And so I activate the green, I get a free stone just for picking the green, and then wherever the green lands, I get that resource. But what's cool is some of these workshops have colored dice on them. So for example, let's say I got the workshop with the white die and I put it in my green space. What that means is I pick up my green, move it, get whatever resource it gives me, but also I activate my workshop Wherever the white die is, I get the resource where it is. So then you can create these really cool combos because maybe that white die gave you just the right resources that you need because the place that you put the green has this guild action that you can do to maybe spend resources to get some extra stuff. So when you put those little combos together, it really feels good. Like you're putting together a little puzzle. So great game. It was on sale at BGG, cheap game. If you enjoy rondelles, if you love dice, get this game. It is a definite brain herder. Not to the point of pain for me. It was just so much strategy. There's a little AP, there's a little downtime, but it moves very quickly. And I think- Well, wait a minute. You just contradicted yourself. There's a little downtime, but it moves very quickly. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, okay. So what it means is there's, there's, what I'm trying to say is that there's a little downtime while while you're trying to figure out your turn while other Mm. people are, but- the game's over before you know it. Yes, yes. And let's just talk about how, how the final scoring is. You look each of the columns of the cathedral. Like I said, you count up. Every every piece that you contributed to, you're going to get a point in that cathedral. And then you look for area majority in each one, and it's going to reward you points. And the taller ones will give you more points than the shorter ones. Uh, has variability. And there's the double-sided player board. Uh, We played on the standard side. The other side of the player board has an advanced mode, which makes it a little bit more thinky. But again, I love this game too. And why I liked it was, yeah, sure, you can probably earn some victory points here and there by getting some uh, recognition points, which is also helping you gain prestige points during the course of the game. But literally, you need to be working on 
that building that cathedral. You need to claim sections. You need to build sections. You need to decorate it. You need to get area majority because that's kind of how you're going to win the game. That's Red Cathedral from DeVere Games. This was one of my sleeper hits of the year. I hardly knew anything about it. Kind of came out of nowhere. I really enjoyed this game. I, we can't recommend it enough. PortalGamesUS.com is the place to go if you want information about what's coming out. Because I can tell you right now, we saw a preview of Stronghold Undead. We know it's actually there. We've seen Ignacy near the boxes. But I got a feeling you're not going to see it on his banner. Marty, what's on the banner? <laughs> what's on the banner? Oh my gosh. It's some gift I did. Wait, where in the world did that come from? Tony said, just go with me here. I got this. And it was like, okay, so we're going to talk about Stronghold Undead, which isn't even going to be available till next year because we know Ignacy is purposely not putting it out so he can win the Squirrely Award one more time for this game. And he better enjoy it because it may be the last time for a while he gets the Better Late Never Award. But yes, if you go out to PortalGamesUS.com, one of the gifts he has up there that's really great for Christmas is Detective Season 1. If you don't have time to invest in the full game of Detective or don't want to spend that much money, Go check out Detective Season 1. This game is only 30 bucks on their website. Uh, it's one of those that is a simplified, not simplified version. It's, it's a version of Detective that is quicker to play, easier to get into. Uh, you can play in 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, it's a great game for the family. It's very easy to follow, very easy to learn. The end of, there's individual cases in there that you can play. Uh, we've played some of these. There's three standalone cases in there. It's a great way to get introduced to this uh, type of game. And if you like it, then you can go out there and get the full Detective because there's a lot of expansions for it, for it like Detective LA Crimes, Detective uh, Dig Deeper, and he's got more coming on the way. So to find out more, head over to Portal Games us.com where he still doesn't have the vitruvian meeple shirt that i'm waiting for to show up here that's over in the uh, european website so we have been on a rio grande games kick lately and we got to play another one called beyond the sun beyond the sun black hole sun no never mind Okay, I don't know the words to the song. I just I know the tune of that from the sound garden. All right. That's <laughs> Sorry. That's all. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. My guitar hero, I never did the voice in guitar hero. I always did the guitar. Yeah, did you do ever do the drums for it? Lord no. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. I have you know me. I, I cannot do that. I, I just it's kind of like we were talking about Smash Brothers and you're talking about watching for frames to hit the right buttons. I will never be able to see a frame in a fighting game. Yeah. <laughs> so never. What we were talking about was, uh, we were talking about button masher fighting games today. It's like, that's all it is. And I said, yeah, except for my kids who literally over the weekend, they love playing Street Fighter and they're talking to each other about frames of animation. It's like, okay, when you're going up against this fighter and he's going to do this attack, if you wait for this particular frame to show up, that's when you want to counter against that attack to make sure that you can stop it. I'm like, 
how are you people watching frames of animation? It's like, well, you just kind of learn what their animation is and know like when their fist is at this point in the air, that's the frame that you want to click the button on. It's like, oh my gosh, you people are way beyond me. But that has nothing to do with the game that we're getting ready to talk about. Beyond the sun, that's right. (laughs) Beyond the sun is a technology game, a tech tree game. It's about getting the most victory points at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. But it is a simple, simple game to learn and play, in my opinion. Yep. Because on your turn, you are going to do the action phase, which is nothing more than picking up your little token and putting it on an action. And that action is going to tell you how much it's going to cost and what the effect is when you pay that cost. Mm -hmm. Simple. Then you will go to the production phase which will let you either increase the population cubes or gather some ore or do some resource conversions. And then you're going to check for an achievement goal. Once you did that, goes to the next player. Simple. It's easy. Oh, yeah. Well, the actions are easy, but the things that you're doing to accomplish maybe is a little bit more in depth because you got this player board on the side with these planets and you're trying to build these ships and send these... Okay. Hold on before you go too far with that. Yes, you're trying to build. You immediately jump to the colonization. Yeah. So, and I thought when we played this game, you know, it will it was going to be all about the technology, building out the tech tree. Which is, you know, it's your typical tech tree, right? It's like if I open up this, then that gives me a path to open up this other tech over here. And each one of these is basically additional abilities. Maybe it makes things cheaper. But I mean, all that is obviously it was earning you victory points for every tech that you learn, you're earning some victory points, but it's also making it easier over on this board over here to do, go do some colonization of planets by building some ships and moving them around to planets and claiming planets. Mm-hmm. By getting majority on those planets. Right. And one of the things everybody has to look at is on your player board, you have all these resource cubes and these various columns. And depending on which ones you clear out will determine how much ore you get or how much population you can take during the production phase. Mm -hmm. I was with you, Marty. When we were playing this game, I was like, you cannot ignore the colonization. It's not just about following the technology tree. We've got to go over there and colonize some planets so that we can get most of our victory points for this game. Yeah, because those colonizations give give you victory points, but also while you're controlling that, it gives you stuff too. When you control that planet, it, it lets you remove certain disc off your player board, which opens up additional population or additional ore. And that's one I think that I love because that's very Terra Mystica. So, you know, with Terra Mystica, you pre-populate your board with all these tokens. The same thing happens here with your player board. As population comes off, as tokens come off the board and clears, it's going to open up spots in that row that helps you increase your production etc. But then as your ships are lost or your population, you know, is reduced, they go back onto your board, potentially covering up those spots. So that part's very Terra Mystica to me, right? You want to try to open it up as much as you can, but eventually you got to deal with the fact that some of those ships that's going to get destroyed or, or whatever or lost are kind of going to come back and repopulate those rows. And it's either going to go back up into the resource row or it's going to go into the production row, depending on if you have control where these discs are 
and I think Marty, for me, when this, when we were playing this game, I was enthralled by the fact that I'm sitting here with these technology trees. You couldn't block me from doing any technology. I got an no. advantage by going there first. Yeah. I think if you went there first, then you got to, uh, choose the next technology that would come up mm-hmm. later and you got to choose one of two based on certain colors of the cards, et cetera. But when you did, you usually got a benefit, a one-time benefit for doing so. Exactly. And those technology, and if I were to research a couple technologies and I suddenly chose the red, which was more the military color, Mm -hmm. the military technologies, I could lock down the next level so that it would just lead to military, which may help the colonization. And these technologies open up more actions you can take. Like you said, it's, it's giving you cheaper way of doing that. It's give you've developed an advanced warp drive for your ships so that you can move your ships farther than just two jumps, you can now move four jumps mm-hmm. or it will cost you less to colonize it. And then if eventually, you know, the game lasts about 15 rounds because that's when suddenly everybody's getting all these achievements unlocked and additional achievements may be shown during the game while you're unlocking technology. There's events that may say, Hey, here's a new way to get an achievement, another achievement to gain. And at the end, the final technology will give you another way of scoring advantage as well. All this is coming out and you're trying to balance that. But I was like, okay, how are we going to talk about this game? Everything kept going back to the colonization of the board. Well, it's, it's what's the most efficient way to colonize, to get your ships built, to get out there, to jump around and get the majority on a planet in order to claim it. Some Planets required more ships than others. You could go and run somebody off. As soon as you have more uh, more ships on a planet than what that person does, they have to take their disc back to their board, which covers up a spot. And you get to put a disc down, which gives you a benefit when you do so. But it's all about that. It's just the most efficient way to do that colonization is by opening up all these things on the tech tree and do it the best way possible. Also love some of the elements of the tech tree where there were some elements of the tech tree. It, was, it had like... You needed two level twos, these mm-hmm. two level twos, before you could go to this level three. And, and it's all random. Yes. Yeah, I didn't mention that. Yep. Because when you're picking the technology, you're going through the deck of cards until you see two of the colors that have been identified on the previous levels. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there going, okay, well, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Oh, here's a here's a green one and not a green one. Not a, oh, a yellow. So the two yellow, the yellow and the green, which one of these do I want to do? And then that goes on the board. I will say this is one of those games that went faster than what I was expecting. It's a slow grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, the, the goal is for two of the three achievements to be uh, completed. And it's like, it ramps up at the end. It's like everybody all of a sudden is like, boom, everybody can now work on these achievements and we're trying to do it as fast as we can. And all of a sudden, boom, game's over. Cause you guys like knocked out achievement. I was getting ready to do some achievements and you guys just grabbed them real quick. It's like, okay, that's game. Let's count up points. Like, wait a minute. I didn't even get to do anything yet. But it's a very slow build in the beginning, but it snowballs because now once you have all these technologies available to you, you can just do things quicker. And it's important to note that when you go and do those technologies, just because I unlock them doesn't mean you can use them now. You still have to go research it. Your planet has not discovered this. My planet has, not you. My race did, not yours. So you're welcome to take my intellectual property and steal it. But by gosh, You've got to do it. 
I'm not going to give it to you for free. And then at the very end of the game, I basically count the victory points based on the achievements that were were gotten over the course of the game. Uh, like you said, every level of technology that you researched is worth the X amount of points. And then you count up the points and the person obviously with the most wins. So for me, this game, I like the simple mechanic of just moving one, my one little worker, moving him there. But there was some hidden strategy, some hidden stuff in there that after we played, I was like, okay, wait a minute. I understand what I, when I was researching these technologies, I was really limiting my population because I couldn't get ships out because these resource cubes are either population or they're ships. Right, right. Yeah. And like you said, it's hard to visualize. This is where I wish we could have a video because you've got the rows beneath these columns and those rows have to be empty in order to claim stuff out of the column above it. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, and it come time to produce, well, if you have nothing in those columns on the left, you're not going to produce anything. You're going to have to continue to open up that row by removing more disk to open up the column above it to make it available during the production phase. So you have to automate that function to be able to do that. Yep. And so you've got to figure out ways to do that. So that's got to be in your planning because you're right. You can run out of population because when you colonize, then those ships come back to you and they fill up the columns as resources. That's how you get it back. But if you still didn't open up that one row or that row got closed off, Mm -hmm. then you can't get to them. And so you're kind of stuck there. So you got to figure out how do I do that? How do I get that out there? Again, like you, I like tech tree things and I like things that are kind of the Terra Mystica thing where more stuff I get off my board, it unlocks things. But I always know that, man, those things that I just removed from the board may be coming back to me and covering spaces that I need to somehow get uncovered again. The automate function you talk about, I was really cool. It's like those disks that you put out on the planets come, come back to your board. But if you do this automate function, that disk goes to the top of your player board and then just stays there. So that's permanently mm-hmm. unlocked at that point. And uh, so I found that was really valuable over the course of the game because then you could keep a row open because, you know, those discs are not going to refill at that point. The only knock that I have is, and this has nothing to do with the gameplay. <laughs> I said this right when we first got it. I wasn't crazy about the design of the game, our player board. It was white with black text. I wish it was a little more, had a little more pizzazz to it. Functionally, it worked. And once you started playing, you didn't think about it. But there are a couple tiles on the board that were literally just white cardboard, just black, plain font writing mm-hmm. on them it's, it's almost like some of them look like almost like prototype type things and i know that uh, rio grande is more concerned about functionality function function wise it worked but the, but, but you had the colonization board which is nice you had these planets with these cool art and pictures and everything on it but the player boards were just kind of bland again it doesn't mean i dislike the game or anything i just thought eh, i just wish it would have been a little bit nicer production on the player boards but i had no problem reading any of the technology cards No, the font was a good, so I appreciate them having that huge, I said, Marty, this is going to be a table hog. Yep. Having just played journeys in the middle earth and having to have readers on the whole time, trying to read those itty bitty little cards. I was so happy to have these big, huge playing deck cards, Mm -hmm. you know, easy to read, easy to, to see the black and white. I understand it's not pizzazz, but it was, it was just simple. The races we started with, there's advanced versions of that. So they have special abilities that we didn't even explore. And then doing the technology, there's an advanced set on how that's done. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of replayability from that standpoint and a lot of way to take the game to the next level. Now, there's a lot of bits in this in this game. It's uh, the MSRP is $75. You can get it on Miniature Market for $54. There's a lot of, lot of wood <laughs> in this in this board because a lot of little pieces you got to fill in your cubes and everything and discs you got to fill out your, your board with. I guess, Marty, would this be like an introductory to technology games? Like a Terra? I don't really consider Terra Mystica a technology tree game. Okay, sorry. So, uh, you know, I can't even think of a lot of technology tree games, to be honest. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I thought you were going to say, is this a good intro? And I said, can you name other tech tree games? I mean, besides Civ type games. I mean, this isn't anything mm. like a Civ type game. No, it didn't take us long to, to really grasp. Literally, like you said, on your turn, you've got your player piece and you're going to put it somewhere on the board and it's going to be beside some sort of tech to activate, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. I always look at games like this. I think, oh, this is the next game. Is this something that I can get Donna to play? Mm. And I might be able to because of the simple mechanics at the beginning uh, of playing the game. I do like the theme. I, I think for what you're doing, I think the theme is really cool. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi, open up tech trees, being able to colonize planets and stuff. So I think it really fits with what you're doing in the game too. Area control, that was kind of nice. There's your interaction, trying to mess with one another. And you did because you could send ships around and take control of a planet from somebody else. Like, well, crap, you know, and then you get a quick ability from putting your stuff there. And like you said, once you get enough population there, you can just like, well, that I'm going to colonize that planet. It's mine. And you actually take it off the board and replace it with a new planet. All the planets are different. They all have special instant. When you get control, you have an instant thing that you can do. And after you colonize, you may get a a recurring action or a one time. It all depends on the planet. Something else you have to come into. There's a lot there. If if you want to look at a technology game, yep, it's a costly game, but it's heavy. It's a hefty game. Well, maybe that's one thing we should do, Marty. We should do a price per pound, kind of like at the grocery store <laughs> where you can compare, you know, the various, oh, is this a better? Oh, I'll just look at the price per ounce and that'll tell me if I'm getting a good deal. Mm. So that is Beyond the Sun from Rio Grande Games. Hey, Marty, do we have anything planned for Saturday, December the 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern time? Well, Vanessa, I am so glad that you asked because Tony and I are going to be hosting an online strike tournament sponsored by Robinsberger. Who's going to be participating in that tournament? We've invited 16 people, including game designers, podcasters, YouTubers, many who you know and love. And why are y'all doing this tournament, Marty? For charity. Robinsberger is sponsoring this event, and whoever's the champion of this tournament will have money donated to the charity of their choice. How about if I want to watch? Then make sure to follow Robinsberger on Twitter or Facebook as they're going to be streaming it on their YouTube channel, Facebook, Periscope, and Twitch channel. Since it's Christmas time, are there going to be any prizes for the viewers? Well, yes, Vanessa. Yes, there is. As you watch, you're going to be able to join a raffle, and throughout the tournament, we're going to be giving away prizes to those who are watching online. That is very exciting since I played Strike for the first time today, and it is just dice in a bowl. That's why I love you so much. So make sure to join us December 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for our online strike tournament. But a whole lot of fun, Dice in a Bowl. As of this recording, Tony, Restoration Games has announced a brand new 
expansion to Unmatched. And we were very fortunate to get an early copy of this edition. And it is Beowulf versus Little Red Riding Hood. Now, I'm going to admit something I'm very ashamed of. I was very confused at first of what the heck is Beowulf and Little Red Riding Hood have to do with each other? And it really didn't click until quite a while later. It's like, oh, Wolf. I get it. Mm. Wolf and Little Red Riding Hood. I, I was honestly trying to figure out how do these two even go together? Well, I'm glad you pointed it out because I hadn't, I hadn't really paid attention to it. But when you started that, I was thinking, well, we've got two classic literatures. They're on two ends of the spectrum of classic literature. But I see what you're saying. Beowulf versus Little Red Riding Hood. That's cute. Ah, look what they did there. That's kind of funny. Yep. And this is, uh, you know, if you ever played Unmatched, it's going to be a typical game type game where you got a hand of cards and you're going to be able to move. You can draw cards. Uh, you can attack each other. When you attack each other, you're going to show a couple cards. There's attack cards. There's defense cards, etc. The abilities on the cards is what makes each character a little bit different. Maybe some special abilities that they have. After looking at these two characters, Tony, I will say, <clears throat> hold on. I'm going to have to have some of this little Mountain Dew over here. All right. Well, I hope it's still tasting good. It's cold. Mine's almost gone. Ah, it is kind of refreshing. Some of the early characters in Unmatched were very straightforward and very simple. Um, they weren't hard to learn how to play, but that's the purpose of the game. Yeah, like here's the first set. Here's how this works. Beowulf and Little Red Riding Hood is a little bit more advanced. There's a little bit more going on here, especially with Little Red Riding Hood, because she has combos. And now I'm a big fan of combos. And how hers work is all of her cards have one of three icons on them. When you play a card, it goes into your discard pile. Well, now that card in your discard pile has a certain icon on it. If the ability of the next card that you play has an icon that matches the ones in the discard pile, that ability triggers. You can always use the card for its attack, defense, etc. But if it also happens to match, then there's an ability that triggers. So now you got a hand of cards where you want to play in a certain order. Well, I want to play this first so that that icon's available to me. So when I play this card, this will trigger. Oh, cool. Now this card will play on top of that one. That will trigger. So that is a really cool little combo aspect that's part of Lord Riding Hood. While over in Beowulf, they used a very common thing that's in video games where when you get beat, you build rage and then you use mm -hmm. that rage as resource to do something back. That's exactly what happens with Beowulf. As he takes damage, he can build up to three rage and then he has cards that says, okay, spin rage to activate this ability. Or if you have this much rage, it does this. So that's a separate type of mechanic. So over the course of the game, you're constantly tracking how much rage you have. I believe it was in Guild Wars 2. I think the warrior did that. Didn't the warrior have something where it built up something like... There's a lot of games yes. that video games that build up a rage thing. The more you beat on, the more resources that you have. So two very different types of characters. More advanced. But Tony, did you see what they did with the board? It's a two-sided board. Uh, one side is the typical coloring with the uh, player areas, a certain color of, of the area. But when you flip it over, and I swear, I think I mentioned possibly doing this as an idea at one point, is it's the edge, the rim of the circle that's colored. So there's a little band around the circle that shows what color area 
this space is in. So what you get to see is more of the art of the board underneath it. And that was always one thing that bothered me with Unmatched. You got these beautiful boards, but then these big solid color spaces sitting on top of them where you can't see them. Well, now they introduce this concept where it's just the edge of the circles that are colored and the middle is basically the graphics of the board coming through. It looks really sharp. Well, I can't wait to see it on the table. I hope you bring it sometime. <laughs> well, because I got to, uh, this thing I got to do over Thanksgiving, you know, and, get, and got mm. to try it out. And in typical restoration games fashion, the insert is just amazing. It's immaculate. Holds everything. Holds your life counters. Has a space for Beowulf. Has a space for Little Red Riding Hood. For the cards, the character. The, the models are super nice. They're pre-washed. And this is available for pre-order right now on their web store. They just kind of shadow dropped it. It's like out of nowhere. It's like, boom. By the way, here's this game. If you want it, you can go order it right now and get it in time for Christmas. And it's not a very expensive game. It's only 25 bucks if you order by December 10th. Uh, wow, it's only a couple days when this uh, episode releases. That will ensure delivery in the continental U.S. by Christmas. And then in late January, it's going to come out to retail everywhere. For, so for $25, if you want an advanced, what I call an advanced version of Unmatched, you really want to look at Little Red Riding Hood and Beowulf. By the way, Tony, who wrote Beowulf? I don't know. I did not take AP English in high school. I chose to take the lower, the advanced English, so I would not have to read it. Did, so you never read Beowulf? I have never read Beowulf. Uh, they don't know who wrote Beowulf. It's unknown. Oh, okay. See, a trick question. It was composed in the 7th century. Okay. Well, I hate that I missed it. No, not really. It's one of the most important works of old English literature. Why? I don't know. It's just what Wikipedia says. <laughs> I mean, does it show that we were developing the English language or something? Something that we butcher constantly on this show? They had the original manuscript. The poem survives in a single copy in the manuscript known as the Null Codex. It has no title in the original manuscript, but has now become known by the name of the story's protagonist, Beowulf. You learn on RDTN. See, Nation? You can learn here. Well, what I often learn is that you are draining the... Um, $5 account for mistakes. That's why I got to have Wikipedia up all the time so I don't screw anything up. Okay, so first off, we're going to add a new rule to this. By the way, I think we've paid out for three or four mistakes in episode 215. They were coming fast and furious, and there's still one that I know that's out there people haven't even found yet. Well, which is why I'm putting this rule in right now, and the rules can change at any time because it's my show. I can do what I want. <laughs> okay. You have a two-week window to cash in. <laughs> You cannot, you cannot listen to episode number 215 a month from now and say, oh, by the way, y'all made a mistake here. No, that's not how this is going to work moving forward. You got two weeks, people. That's it. No more. And by the way, I'm putting in the rule too. I don't know if we ever state it. The first person to catch the mistake gets the reward. Nobody else gets it. I'm not going to keep paying out for the same mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody uh, c claimed, and which was kind of fun that we you left it in there, was the fact that you made a mistake with the artist of the anatomy of man. Yes, I said Michelangelo, and it's the other turtle, Da Vinci. And I was, Hold I was on. listening There's to There's one of the turtles named Da Vinci, right? Leonardo. Raphael. It's Leonardo. Leonardo. Yes, Leonardo. there is. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. It's called, they don't go by their last no, name. No, it's just Leonardo. Yep. Leonardo. Mm hmm. So I'm like, I'm listening to this and I go, you know, you made that mistake. And you go, oh, crap. I said, well, let's just see if anybody listens to the commercials. Oh, they did. 
And it was pretty it quick too. That was claimed really fast. In fact, and then somebody got us like, oh, by the way, you you said the wrong designer's name for Blue Sky and went, okay, I didn't know that one. I went and checked. Yeah, yeah, we did say the wrong name for it. I think it was like, we said Joe and it was John or vice versa or something like that. Yeah, oh my gosh, really? Because it is John. And I knew that. Oh. So anyway, we give, give, give constantly on this show when we record it. <laughs> so get this. I had somebody else call us out on it. I said, uh, you know, you got it. And he said, by the way, is it miniature market that is giving you the gift certificates? I went, no, we're paying for this ourselves. He went, no, no, I don't want to take money from you. I said, dude, I can't remember what mistake it was. He, he contacted me on BGG. I said, it's a valid mistake you found. I went, no, seriously, don't just keep the $5. Don't worry about it. I just wanted to point it out to you. <laughs> So, okay, I like it. So you have within two weeks of the episode drops and the first person to find the error will, will get it. So yeah, this is the most we've ever paid out, which makes me walking around on eggshells constantly as we record. It's not making us better, I can tell you that. Uh, uh, no, it's not. I'm, I'm hoping that it is, but I, I guess that it's not. And also, this is really cool too. About the same time on BGG when somebody contacted uh, me about an error in the last episode. Last episode, also in the last episode, I had mentioned I was thinking about getting a mesh network. So mm -hmm. out of the blue, a gentleman on BGG named Robert C contacted me and said, "Hey, I just want to let you know that uh, I just moved into another house and bought a new mesh network because I needed something a little different. Do you want the one I have?" And I went, "Oh, th that's very nice of you." He said, "How much do you want for it?" And he went, "No, no, no, no." He said. This is for all the years of entertainment that you've provided me. And I will, I really should be paying you if you've been listening for, for many <laughs> years to us. But no, he actually sent it to me. I got it today and set it up. And now it was a piece of cake. So I got a mesh network set up in the house. Which mesh network did you get? It's called Amplify. A-M-P-L-I-F-I. And uh, yeah. it's this really cool little white cube that's the main mm -hmm. base. I have it over beside the TV and it shows the upload and download speeds as people are connecting and stuff and uh piece of cake to set up. So Robert C, thank you so much for sending that to me. That was really, really nice of you. That, that is nice. Cause I, I, my concern is it says it replaces your router. 100%. I took my router out. So my router goes bye-bye. Does that mean I have to reset all the names and all the connections? Yep. Oh crap. So basically I had to tell everybody, you know, here's the new, name for your phones and everything last night we're going through you know alexas and changing the name and everything like that but could you have and somebody mentioned this and i don't know if you can do that can you change the security the network name wait a minute on the on the mesh network uh-huh like your let's say your your network's name is nc state grad okay let's say that's it it actually used to be state grad but yeah go ahead okay so it was state grad and then the password was one two three Four. Like my luggage. Like your luggage. What reference? Come on. That's my luggage. What is it? I don't know what you're talking about. Spaceballs. Go ahead. You know I've never seen that. You've never seen Spaceballs? No. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Everybody listening, please help me. Tony needs to go watch Spaceballs. How have you not seen Spaceballs? Because it's got an actor in it I never really liked. John Candy? Yeah. Are you serious? You don't like John? We can't talk anymore. I'm just moving the mic away. How can you not? Don't you like trains, planes, and automobiles? Only because of Steve Martin. Oh my gosh. I don't even know what I'm dealing with here. Never seen Spaceballs because he doesn't like John Candy. This is insane. Uncle Buck? Didn't he do that one? Yeah. 
Okay, never saw that. I don't know. John Candy, I, I never really enjoyed Chris Farley. What, are you dumbfounded? Did the f- screen freeze again? All right, going back to your mesh network, I've got, so let's say the password's one, two, three, four. Go ahead. Okay. So you have state grads, one, two, could you not, could you have set the mesh network with that network name and password? Sure. Would your devices then said, okay, no problem. I probably, I just want to change the name because I wanted a better name. I didn't like the name I'd used before. I just wanted something cooler. Because I got a feeling if I, when I, if I buy a mesh network, I got a feeling my wife will kill me if we have to go through and reset everything again. There's no reason why I can't keep the same name. I'll we'll see why not. Tell me in a month or so if you like it, if it's handling your um, uploads, downloads speeds pretty good, because then uh, I'm going to probably go that way as well. Well, all, all I, I know is, is there was two expansion things that I plug in the wall. I plugged in one upstairs, immediately connected and up and going through one down in the basement. Two or three minutes, it's up and running. So the whole house is covered. Well, that will help me on game day over there if we ever get there again. Yes, it will. See, you don't know what you're getting here. You never do know. You're, it's like you're just rolling dice. Oh my gosh, you dude! I'm not. No spaceballs. You better. You better. You better take some names and go watch spaceballs. Thanks once again for listening. If you, I can't believe he hasn't seen spaceballs. How have you not seen? One of the best sci-fi parody movies of all time. It makes fun of Star Trek. It makes fun of Star Wars. It's good. Did you like Blazing Saddles or any of other Mel Brooks's movies? Oh, yeah. I love those. Okay. Then, look. You've got to see Spaceballs, okay? Just just trust me. Get, get by okay. the John Candy thing and, go, and trust me. And then also follow us on Twitter at Dice and Names. And I've started doing some Twitch stuff too. Go to twitch.tv slash roll dice take names and, <laughs> and make sure to come back for our anniversary episode next month. And this is probably already too long. So I have to stop the music right here anyway because I've only got like 28 seconds in order to get this all in. And it's not going to get it in now. And if you want to make sure to come back in our next episode, we're going to be giving away prizes and stuff. So make sure to join our BGG Guild 1589. Go join our Discord channel because all those people are going to be automatically entered in and with surprises we're already talking to publishers and we're getting a bunch of prizes going to be coming in here we can't wait it's our 8th anniversary episode (gasps) see you next time commence operation vacu-suck suck 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 nope Nope. never heard that one I hate it when I get my Schwartz twisted nope never heard it sir they've gone plaid Nope. Don't know anything oh about it. Oh my gosh. You're so... Isn't dismayed. there some like a big helmet guy? Yes, Dark thing? Helmet. See, Rick Moranis. Do you like oh. Rick Moranis? It, wasn't he in like the um, Ghostbusters? Thing? Oh, that's right. He was Gozer Had a Key or something. Gozer Had a Key. Hmm. Yeah, he, w- he was the key master. Okay. And see? Sigourney Weaver was the gatekeeper. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> It's December. Are you beginning to stress about not getting something for someone? Well, we got a solution for you. Rolling Dice and Taking Names recommends heading over to miniaturemarket.com where you can find that specific need, not just for the gamer in your life, for anyone in your life. That's right. There are plenty of great introductory games. Marty and I have already mentioned the crew, 
That game, even grandma can play it because she understands those card games. Or better yet, maybe you have an aunt who's all into hummels or gnomes or those little collectible things that sit around. Buy her some terrain pieces. Wouldn't that be cool having a hummel sit in a fantasy world? You could buy little houses for them. All that can be found over at the miniature market. Be sure to check out their daily sales by signing up for the newsletter.